Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Book Talk is a weekly podcast where we read a section of a book and then we talk about it. And you know, whenever I say that spiel, people are always like, oh, so you read a section of the book on the podcast? <gasps> people ask no. me that too. No, we don't read to you. You read on your own. You don't want to hear us. Yeah, you don't want to hear us read this book. But you read it on your own, and then we talk about our feelings. Yes, which we have lots of feelings. In general, we have lots of feelings. That's true. Katie, do you want to summarize uh, what we read this week? We start this week on Chapter 14. They're at the cabin. We find Bailey. There's a dramatic shootout. Um, we go to chapter 15 where they're in the hospital. We get a little flashback of Vega um, finding Ethan, her first child rescue, and we get to interrogate John McKee, finally. Um, and then 16, Vega keeps digging. We find out that Evan met Kylie at Alex's house, and we end with her confronting the bartender, Bruce Pastor. I thought that, yeah, chapter 14 was super dramatic, and then I thought the other two chapters were a little bit less exciting like I'm still not totally sure what Bruce Pastor's role will be but I thought the most rewarding part of these three chapters is how much we got right so we kind of anticipated that maybe Dina had been tipped off by her dad which turns out to be the case so they were definitely expecting Vega and Cap to arrive and we're already kind of arguing about what to do We also have the sisters separated, so we get to see what had happened from Bailey's perspective, and um, Cap is the one who's able to interview her and get the story of uh, John and Ethan taking the girls. I also think, like you said earlier, we don't know how Bruce is going to be involved, but I think one thing Luis Luna has done so far is bring back characters that she spent some time getting to know, because Alex Cheney makes a reappearance. Yeah, we find out that Alex Cheney seems to be the link between um, Evan Evan and uh, Kylie. But, you know, there's still this theory that the police have, which I think it keeps getting brought up. So there might be some validity to it of the ballet lessons that there were two other missing girls who were the only thing they have in common with Kylie is they all were taking ballet classes at the same place. So that seems like there's also a common thread that might be. The missing factor, because now, obviously, Evan's dead. Kylie's not with Evan. We don't know where Kylie is. And we also don't know who killed Evan. It doesn't seem like John killed him. He was very surprised to find out he was dead. Yeah, I feel like the ballet connection and also the part when he's like, well, he just wanted the older girl. Like, I just feel like we're really hinting at, like, sex trafficking or pedophilia at this point. And, like, I don't know. But I feel like it's a little bit of a common theme. So, I have an updated theory. Ooh, okay. Um, I think, ooh, you know, I love to have theories. I was listening back to our past episodes. I'm like, wow, embarrassing the amount of theories I've um, shared. But (laughs) (laughs) incorrectly. (laughs) In Chapter 14, when Vega is outside of the cabin about to get inside and see if the girls are in there right before she hears them scream, um, she says, where are you at, little bad? Which, like, while she's searching, either, yes, maybe she could have, This could be referring to her time rescuing missing children. But I thought Little Bad was her nickname. And so part of me thinks that maybe at one point she was rescued and she's imagining like somebody rescuing her and what she was thinking too. I don't know. The connections to Little Bad and Perry are so interesting, but they're also so vague. So we don't know really what it means 
that that's what she's thinking about. Yeah, we've learned less than I would have expected at this point about Vega's past. We know that she went to basic training. We know that she used to work for Perry and then Perry was murdered. After she worked for Perry, she was working for bail bondsmen, trying to find people. And then we have this scene in chapter 15, which was really difficult to read, of Vega uh, finding a skip and finding out that there was a child kept in the bathroom at the house um, and rescuing him. But, you know, she goes, it seems like when we're reading that scene that she was really there to find that guy. And then the child was like a, just kind of happened. She happened to find Ethan, but she does know his name. So maybe she was looking for him as well. Well, I think she knows his name because he was kidnapped in the area she lives in. So it was like all over the news. Like if you would have come across Kylie and Bailey, you'd be like, oh, my God, Bailey, because you'd read about it. I think it seems like a complete accident that she rescued Ethan, um, which is why I don't know. There's some connection to her past and her being kidnapped or if it's just like she got lucky and then realized how messed up it was that kids are missing and that maybe she had some talents she could use to help. Um, but it definitely seems like just pure luck that she finds this kid and gets the recognition for it. Speaking of that, um, I was kind of surprised at how badly chapter 14 went for Vega. Like it really is Cap who kind of like figured everything out. Like she gets blindsided, attacked from um, John when she's entering the cabin and like knocked unconscious then, like, she comes to and is able to, like, knock John out. But then Cap is in the middle of, like, a somewhat successful negotiation with Dina. And she just shoots the crap out of her. And now she's in a coma and can't talk. Like, it just seems so, like, why did it go this way? Like, I thought she was going to be our, like, professional superstar savior. And now it's really, like, Cap kind of took that, got all of the good parts out of that approach. Yeah, I'm shocked that this was like a home alone moment. Like Vega walks around a corner. She's like, is this a corner? Then she gets hit in the head with a board. I'm like, that's something that happens to people who are not professional child rescuers. Like, what are you doing? And then, yeah, I did think it was very interesting that she she beats up John McKee. I mean, he's not doing well. But then she just shoots Dina, which she like shoots her hand first, shoots a gun out of her hand or shoots her hand, which is effective. Then she's like, let me just go ahead and get it four more times. Like, Dina was never your suspect. And you don't know what she, like, what role she played in this. And she didn't ask Cap. When Cap talks to Dina, he kind of gets it out of her. And Dina looks scared. She's like, yes. He's like, is this go, like, did it get out of hand? And she's like, yeah, this got out of hand. So knowing that and then seeing her get shot is kind of crazy. It also seems like Vega has gotten away with a lot of violence in her, um, like, approaches to finding people. Like, how have there never been, like, assault charges? Like, she she talks about how finding Ethan, there was, like, a bunch of press attention. But, like, she, like, beat the crap out of this guy uh, en route to finding Ethan. I'm like, that's not really something, like, that you can do. Like, she's a private citizen. <laughs> yeah but this is kind of like what we see happen with the police too like people are and I'm reading a couple of crime books right now but like I feel like the police and other citizens are willing to forgive whatever she did in exchange for something that they want more which is like the kid rescued and okay they're like yeah I mean he was in that guy's apartment and that guy's like scum so great I'm glad you beat him up moving on like 
I mean, and Dina's not dead, so I feel like they're just like, well, she was hanging out with someone who kidnapped and possibly worse, two little girls who we now have back. Like, there is the... There is this like there is the insinuation that Vega might face consequences in this and Cap like intervenes. Um, I think it's in chapter 15 in the hospital and Cap intervenes being like this is an ongoing investigation. And like, how could you basically be upset with her to what you're saying? Like we found one of the girls. But again, you know, I mentioned this in last week's episode. Like we don't know how much chaos Vega is actually causing. Like we don't know that the police would not have been able to eventually find Bailey potentially without shooting Dina and then maybe find out more information from her. It's like she's kind of making a mess of things. I do think she's making a mess of it during the Bailey rescue. I do think also, though, that the police are constantly a couple of steps behind and they're perfectly content to work their couple of theories from their break room. <laughs> and they I think it would have taken them a lot longer. And if the 30 minutes were crucial, like, can you imagine what could have happened in a couple of days? Like, they possibly weren't feeding Bailey. She didn't look great. She definitely seems kind of in shock. Um, so I do think that Vega and Cap together are solving this faster. But I also am just, I'm shocked. I feel like when we usually read crime or thriller books, the protagonist is usually just much more effective. I don't know if they're trying to make Vega realistic, like more believable, because she does get hit over the head with a piece of wood and then overreacts yeah the role of the police are it's interesting you know obviously it's a hot button topic nowadays but you know the police in this case are seen as mostly like incompetent and vega is like highly competent but violent and it's kind of that's the choice that we're making and cap seems to be the one who's in the middle who's like not as competent as vega but competent and not as violent as vega so he's like in the middle of the police and vega's approaches um, right. It's just an interesting well, comparison. And I think it's worth noting, too, at this point that the police, yes, are being painted as incompetent in here, but they're also being painted as, like, completely understaffed and just, like, worn thin, which we also know is a thing as well because they're dealing with, like, a ton, as they've mentioned, like, a ton of, <clears throat> like, drug and meth issues in the community and they're just short-staffed as well. So would they be more competent if the only thing they were doing was this one case? I don't know. But I do think it's interesting. Um, the chief, I think, at this point is like, wait, so um, Vega approached you, offered to help to work together and share your information, and you were like, no, because you thought you could do it? That's crazy. And so I think maybe they realize like, they could have used their help and they could have all pooled their resources a lot sooner. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that we're getting insight into is a lot more of Vega's emotions and her handling of her emotions. So now are you like, how do you feel about Vega's emotions? Do you think she's an emotional person? Like, how do you feel about her like self-talk that happens throughout these chapters? Yeah, I think she is emotional and she is compartmentalizing and actively trying to suppress that. Um, at one point, she's thinking about Kylie and Bailey, like, how are they feeling? When did the fear set in? When did they know? Then she's like, snap out of it, Vega. Like, wrong questions. That's not, as usual, you're asking the wrong questions. And so I feel like that kind of may go back to her training and learning how to separate her emotion and empathy from her, like, perspective and logic, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounded like Perry's voice that had, like, kind of become so ingrained in her own thinking about herself. 
So I'm wondering where you think Kylie is. We haven't really talked about her yet. Yeah, so the what we learn a little bit more is that Kylie met Evan at Alex Cheney's or at like a party that they were at. And that she was like talking to like a group of men at the party, which is just crazy. She's 10, right? Like she's at a party talking to these older men and she is 10. That is crazy. I don't know. Oh, it's so young. I don't know where Kylie is. I know obviously she left with Evan Marsh and he only wanted to take Kylie. Um, and he did say we're going to your friend's house, which I mm-hmm. was assuming is Alex Cheney. Um, oh. So maybe Evan wanted something from Alex Cheney and knew that he would agree if he was like had Kylie or threatened Kylie. I thought when they said we're going to your friend's house that they were going to Cole. I forgot about Cole. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so we'll see who was right next week. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and it might be another young girl that they're also planning to pick up, but I don't know. Um, oh, I didn't even think that they may be getting another girl. I was still thinking of this from Evan's perspective. Like, he still needs something or he's kind of – like, the girls are just a part of this, but it's not the focus. But I think that it's an interesting point that it could be multiple girls. I don't know. I was thinking this week about how we started this book really getting into Jamie's head and seeing it from her perspective and that we haven't gone back to really anyone else's perspective except for Captain Vega until we talked to Bailey. And I'm just kind of sad we don't know more about, um, you know, what Jamie's thinking and feeling. Maybe that's because she knows more than we think, but it also could just be because we're trying to see it from the detective's point of view. But I think it's interesting we went there and we are not returning to that perspective. I don't know what the strategy is exactly to that shift, but we did mention this early on that it makes Jamie much more sympathetic of a character to go through their Saturday together and to realize how relatable she is as like a stressed out single mom who's like trying to make her girls happy, trying to pay the bills, like trying to like have a happy relationship that works with her like schedule and that makes her much more sympathetic as things go and she really starts to fall apart Um, and then you know when they're sitting there interviewing Bailey and she's just like holding on to her with both arms it's like oh I feel like it makes her um, more warm to the audience to have started from a very relatable place and then to have her under these extraordinary circumstances I think it was so heartbreaking thinking about Jamie when she says, you know, I got Bailey. Like, I couldn't be possibly lucky enough to also get Kylie. Uh, That, like, cynical, scared feeling is still so relatable and also terrifying. Yeah, there is a lot of foreshadowing that Kylie is not going to be okay, even if she's okay physically. Um, I think uh, Cap also recognizes that. It may be Cap or Vega recognizes that when the grandparents are like oh my god thank you so much like this is amazing I can't believe it like you did such a great job and it was like yeah this is gonna turn sour when we can't you know produce the same results with Kylie um okay maybe we should do like predictions for the next couple chapters what do you think is gonna happen here's my prediction I think they're gonna find Kylie I think she's gonna be okay I think that this is going to be a much bigger thing than just the two girls whether it's like multiple girls were kidnapped or there's like multiple lines of like a drug ring or something else I think it's going to be bigger than a couple of druggies kidnapped these girls and they come back okay but I don't think anything else is going to happen to Kylie and Bailey what do you think 
Well, one of our listeners, Mary, um, said that she is much more like uh, anticipating and almost dreading what's going to happen with Vega and Cap <laughs> versus like finding out where where Kylie is. Um, so I definitely think we're going to have like a climax scene between uh, the two of them. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to be like, but it's just I mean it's like every chapter now we're getting like him thinking about her, her thinking about him, like it's like it's coming. My prediction with that is that that leaves us hanging, like nothing happens. No way. That's my prediction. I think they're just going to keep giving these little hints and then that's going to be it. I also would like to say that there's a sequel and so I just think they're going to leave this book with like nothing actually happens with Cap and Vega and in the back of your head you're like are they partners or are they partners? I agree that I think um, Kylie is probably part of something much bigger. I mean, we've been getting hints about that, that the police are onto something broader and maybe the end will be like Vega almost being so like short-sighted and only focusing on Kylie and Bailey. She's finding one part of the story and the police are finding the other part of the story and it's all going to kind of meet at the end. So then I wonder if Vega will stay in town and work with Cap to help solve the rest of whatever this crime is. We'll see. So do you want to announce who our guest is going to be for next week's episode? Yes, I can't wait. Um, our guest for next week's episode, we're going to do a guest on the last episode of every season or book that we do. And this time we're so excited to have Louisa Luna, the author of this book, on the podcast. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear much more about like her background and what she brought to these characters and why this story interests her. And I would love to hear more about her perspective as a thriller author and why, you know, this genre is so um, special and particular and interesting. Yeah, I can't wait to learn more about her and about her kind of development of these characters and of the story. So I can't wait to talk to her. I cannot believe yeah. she agreed to be on our podcast. <laughs> so exciting. So we're finishing the book. Next week's episode will feature uh, Louisa and probably a similar format where we'll talk about the book in the beginning and then talk more about her and her approach to writing and writing this book in particular. And then we'll announce our next book next week as well. All right, should we talk talk? Let's talk talk. Talk talk. I am finally feeling better today on day seven, and my life consists of trying to work and then um, watching Great British Baking Show and drinking 17 cups of tea per day. So, I mean, I have an extensive list now of things I'm going to bake when I'm done, and that's what I've accomplished in the last seven days. The clangers. I can't wait for the clangers. And just for anything lemon. I think I've already said that twice. I don't know why that flavor in particular. One thing I always wanted to try after Bake Off, which I can't because I have like a bunch of dietary restrictions, is I always wanted to try marzipan. But I've never had marzipan before. What is marzipan? It's like almond flour. They use it. It's like a. They, it's like this light brown thing. They use it a lot in their in um, their desserts. And then they also cook like meringues. Mm-hmm. Which are you like have in marzipan, the butter. Yeah, I think it's butter, maybe. Or I, I just think have Jason never could had probably it. make you a marzipan. 
something with marzipan in it. And then I also want to try a meringue, but I think it's like that's just eggs and sugar. So maybe I can have yes. a meringue. Oh, you can definitely have a lemon meringue pie. Oh, you definitely can. Levi's grandma has a great recipe. Oh, okay. That's great. It's very, you could definitely have that. Okay. Um, I watched last night, I watched Dave Letterman's interview of Lizzo. I finished it. Oh, okay. Right. How good was it? I was just like sobbing. I love Lizzo. I like loved her before, but after that interview, I was like, I'm obsessed. I will be obsessed. Like if you can love me, you can love yourself. It's like, oh. She's the best. And also the positive self-talk, it really resonated with me because I don't know if it's like our generation in particular, but I feel like we're so self-deprecating. And she's like, we always make, we always say things like, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, that was so dumb of me. Like, oh, you know, whatever. But we never say like, I'm intelligent. I'm beautiful. I am smart. Like I am capable. And we'll have to like counteract. It's actually like a psychological phenomenon. It's like it takes seven positive things to counteract like three negative or something like that. I'm getting the ratio wrong, but um, it's like you have to do as many positive. You have to say as many positive things to counteract the negative and then add more because negative thoughts right, so are so much more salient. Right. Exactly. No, I think it was, it was so good. I also just like loved, like I said before, all of her musical talents and how she became who she is and like her activism and just like her perspective. Oh, I love that episode. Yeah, that was, was so great. Good. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. I'm sorry. I totally just blinked out the whole time that you talked. <laughs> Like, I was just sitting here drinking my tea, and I heard nothing. I'm so sorry. Well, this bodes well for all of our listeners, I guess. I'm crying. Okay, um, I truly have no idea what you said. Can you just... I'm crying.